Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters, the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture, uh, and we're going to put that to the test today, by asserting a biblical worldview. My name is Bruce Johnson, joined, of course, by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is part two of our discussion from last Friday, Reforming Modern Ideas of Work, part two. So if you tuned in last Friday, if you didn't, go back and do that. But if you tuned in last Friday, then you'll know that we had so much content, so much to talk about um, on this topic that we just couldn't cover it in one episode. And so we decided, hey, what if we did a part two? Um, So yeah, no, this is that. Uh, And we've got a lot to delve into here. Um, as you've heard throughout the week, we're going to center our conversation partially around our verse of the week, which as you well, as you know, as if you've been listening the whole week, we have kind of put off commenting on that verse extensively because we wanted to really talk about it a lot today. So we're going to do that. But also, we've just got a ton of other stuff to talk about. Like I said last week, we already we we only went through about half of all the stuff we wanted to talk about. Which is perfect, because now that means half, another half means a whole episode. So, brilliant. Um, if you listened to our Wednesday episode, we brought up the fact that we were going to be going through a part of Doug Wilson's book, Productivity, which is a brilliant book. Um, I was actually put onto it by, um, I mentioned Kingdom.io, Kingdom.io on Wednesday, and there were some cool guys in that group who uh, recommended that as a good resource to delve into. So I did that. And uh, I've got some quotes now to bring up from that book because it's good stuff. And it really pertains pretty much directly to what we're chatting about. So really, really interesting topic. All right. So we have a website, trdshow.net. Check it out. All sorts of cool stuff there. Also send us an email, trdshow at protonmail.com. That's trdshow at protonmail.com. Send us your thoughts on what we're talking about. Our Wednesday episode, uh, current events episode, all sorts of stuff we would love to hear. Your thoughts, questions, concerns, whatever from you. Dreams, um, hopes, aspirations. Yes, all the things. Yes, we got a... <laughs> oh, I, I, didn't, I forgot to mention this, DJ. We got a post-millennial oh. question um, on Instagram. Topic episode. Just, yeah, I know. We're going to have to delve into that. But... Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, Doug Wilson put out a great book, commentary on the book of Revelation called When the Man Comes Around, and they just promoted that on the Canon Press uh, Instagram page. So I left a comment there um, on their promotion of that book under our TRD Show account. We have an Instagram account. Yay, follow us there. Um, so I left a comment. I was like, this is a really good book. It's succinct. It's to the point. And we got some likes and we got a lot of people responding to the comment. And somebody messaged us privately and they were like, so you guys are, you're post-millennial. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're post-millennial. Um, and, uh, and they were like, well, what does this mean? And what, do you actually think that like most of Revelation has been fulfilled? Um, and I was like, yep, yep, we do. We, we believe it pertains to uh, the same event that was described in Matthew 24 and, and Mark 13 and Luke 21. And so anyways, so we do <laughs> respond. We answer your theological questions if you have them. And if we don't know the answer, of course, we're going to look it up and not just shoot from the hip and make stuff up because that would be wrong. So we don't do that. Uh, we put as much 
detailed research and study into these things as we do when we prep for every single one of these episodes. All right. So without further ado, let's break into this topic. And one of the best ways to break into this is by introducing, reintroducing, and this is a re-reintroduction since we've already twice. done it twice. Introducing. This is the thrice twice. introduction. <laughs> Yes, of our verse of the week, which is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. So it's a passage. It's a collection of verses, not just one verse. Anywho, this passage says, this is Christ saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And again, that's Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. So we, I've talked a little bit about this. We touched on aspects of this. Um, from the beginning, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. So there's rest in Christ. Jake touched on that on Wednesday. Here's what's fascinating though, is that we don't stay in that rest. That rest reinvigorates us to do what? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That happens immediately after you're given rest. You're given rest you are then called to get to work. What did, uh, what is the creation order? What is the order of resting and then working? What's the, the quotient? What's the ratio of rest to work? It's one, six, one, six, and you know, six days of rest and one day of work, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No. It's six days of work and one day of rest. So it's clearly offset it in one direction here, right? So that would be that would be a nice week. <laughs> that would be that would be some week. And the funny thing is, we would hate it. We, yeah, we were that created is true. to do that. Um, we would hate that. I mean, I I don't know about you, but if I'm on vacation doing literally nothing for more than two days, I go ballistic. I have to do something, whether it's work on a side project or play music for a whole day or whatever it is. I have to do something. I can't just sit and do nothing. That's why being sick is so horrible. Yeah, it's the whole, yeah, I don't feel so great, but it's also the dang it. I'm sitting here in my bed when I could be doing stuff, you know, like that's kind of, that's kind of the worst part of being sick is you're not able to go and do things. You're not being productive and that eats at you um, because we were made to work. That was, that's a part of our nature. We can't escape that. And we shouldn't want to escape it. We should learn to target that and to do to do it the right way. So, yeah. come to me, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Get to work. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. So this is not a slave driver or a taskmaster. This is this is a king unlike any other. This is not a king who exploits you. This is a king who created and designed you, knows your limits, knows what you're capable of, knows what true beauty is, and gives you the ability to work for those things and calls you to work for those things. And what, um, who is it that says our, our reasonable service? Um, for this is your reasonable service. I, I know there's a book with that title. I know that's also a verse, but this service of ours that we're called to is not unreasonable. This is reasonable. Yeah. This is yeah. well within what we are created to do. Um, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy, not yolk. I'm talking about like egg yolks. Yolk. Um, <laughs> my yoke, which if you don't know what that is, which a lot of us didn't grow up in a purely agrarian culture, which is kind of what this pertains to, but it's 
you have two um uh, uh oxen boxen oxen right um <laughs> and and in order to get you know you could pull a plow with one ox and it would take a long time and it maybe wouldn't be able to plow as deeply and it would have it would struggle especially if the plow was big and heavy so you take another ox well how do you double those oxen up you put a yoke over them so now you've doubled your power they're in unison and they're pulling the oak equally um if oak. they're not yoke yoke yeah. thank you they're not pulling the <laughs> yellow of an egg um they're pulling that equally if they're not unequally yoked which also pertains to marriage right when you're finding a spouse you don't want that person to be unequally yoked that's really important so the same analogy applies so but christ says that his yoke is uh non-existent and uh there's absolutely no burden at all right is that what he <laughs> shoot did i misread that oh man looks like yeah there is a yoke there is a burden but the yoke is easy and the burden is light but what does that mean there's still a yoke and there's still a burden we still have work to do but it's not uh unreasonable work to be done all right so anyways um what kind of prompted this whole discussion last week was an article our research team found talking about america's fever of workaholism and uh, it was titled america's fever of workaholism is finally breaking and this was victory this is yay we're coming out of this age of workaholism and work, 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 and that's all people wanted to do, and it's horrible, and yada, 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 and it goes on and on and on, cultural repercussions, there's issues, problems, but now we're pendulum coming out of swing. it. Yeah. Right, major pendulum swing, also a lot of the problems they identified were not actual problems, or they were problems, but they didn't identify the actual motivations behind those. So anyways, we went into some of the details on that last week, but at the end of this episode, or nearer the end of this episode, um, we're going to be talking a lot about uh, the unbelievers overworking problem, which more directly talks uh, and speaks to this article. So hang on for that. Jake's going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but that's a little later in this episode. What I want to do before we like go directly against this article is I want to reset our motivations for work. What does the Bible have to say about work? What are our motivations for work? And once we realize that and recognize that, we can more easily examine this article and understand what the actual problems and where the actual holes are in their logic, because there are holes. Um, this is where Doug Wilson's productivity book comes into play. I have two big quotes, um, and that's really about it. Read through it. It's really I only read through the first chapter. That's the theology of work. Um, or was that the second chapter? Whichever chapter was the theology of work. It was really, really good. Um, there's so, so much there. So I'm, I just got the book this week, so I'm still working through it. Uh, but it's a really good book. So I highly recommend checking it out. It's also on Canon Plus. Uh, Canon Plus so I listened to the audiobook version of it a few times. And then I also read through um, the first chapter in the, in the physical book as well. Um, so highly recommend giving that a listen or reading through it. Really good stuff. Um, so page 14, Doug Wilson in this book, Productivity, A Practical Theology of Work and Wealth. Really cool book. He said, work has consequences. Laziness also has consequences because God gave us the ultimate gold standard called time. And everyone has exactly the same amount of it. 
It is a resource that the government cannot print. This means that work over time matters and no work over time matters. When I say that it matters, I mean that it matters in morally significant ways. You can and should draw conclusions about people based on their work, end quote. So that's an interesting thing to think about. There are repercussions of working and not working. Laziness has repercussions. Um, hopefully that's pretty obvious. But then this last part is like you can and should draw conclusions about people based on their work, whether they do a good job or not, whether they um, push through difficulties and are resilient and work hard. And if they mess up, they fess up, they own their mistakes, and they get back to work to fix the mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really important. That kind of leads us, that was at the beginning of the chapter, the end of the chapter, page 20, a um, little bit of a longer quote, but I think it's really, really good. And it wraps, it really helps to reset this whole paradigm. Uh, Doug Wilson said, work is not a curse. The curse affects work, but work remains a gift from a gracious God. We were created for work and we were created for work in an astoundingly fruitful world. In short, the grace of God leads to salvation and salvation leads to good works. As we consider this, we ought not to limit the phrase good works to helping little old ladies across the street or volunteering at soup kitchens. Those are included, certainly, but good works are also, I'm sorry, good works also include good work. Good works include turning a table leg on a lathe or solving a mathematical problem or shoveling out the barn. In some, good works include necessarily the blessing of good work, end quote. So that's a really good way to open up this conversation a little bit more as opposed to it just being, we read good works and we think it just pertains to uh, a very limited subset of work. Yeah. Um, and this really helps to open that up a little bit more. So before I move on, I have a series of verses I do want to talk about. But before I do that, Jake, did you want to add anything or anything you specifically wanted to say before I moved on? The interesting thing and something that talking about this good work is that every person has been given gifts and abilities by God. To not use them in the way that God, to not use them, use those gifts that God gave you, um, would be going against what, what God had you to do. Hmm. And, and so by using them, you are doing good work because God has given them for you to do this job. Yeah. And so therefore it is good because by using what them defines for his glory. good. Right. Yeah. And that is true. Yes. Um, I think it's very interesting that the Puritans had this very idea that they they saw work and, and they had a more, I guess, extreme view to say that if you did not feel fulfilled in your work, then it means God did not have you to do that work. So therefore, you need to leave it. It, it sort of is extreme in a yeah, sense because I, well, there will be. There's a, there's a lot of people that hold that, too. Um, it's good to be a man. The book. um goes through that and kind of holds that same sort of view. Um, Ralph Matson, How to Find a Job You Can Love. We went through his book last year. He kind of holds the same sort of view. Um, so it's not just the Puritans. There's a lot of people, even more modern people, who I, mm -hmm. I think are pretty solid in their theology also yeah. Yeah. hold the same thing. But I, I think it's also a matter of motivation. 
it's a matter of uh, orders of operations, if you will. Yeah. It's find what your gifts and talents are first, then figure out how to use them to make money. Right. It's not, well, what's going to make the most money? I'll right. go after that. You get in that field, you hate it, shoot. I hate what I do, but I'm making money. You know, that's a complete backwards mm -hmm. order. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, to I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I kind of derailed your train of thought there, but no, um, that's fine. Uh, something that I guess I was going to say, and it was, it was kind of to point that in your work, there will be times of, I guess, stress and times of just like thinking, oh, maybe this isn't for me. Or maybe I shouldn't be doing this because obviously I'm not gifted at it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I don't think that that means that you weren't gifted at it just because right. you don't think that you're gifted at it. It's because you had an off um, day. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're learning. When you're trying to learn a job, it's not going to come easily. It's not going yeah. to be instantaneous. Yep. You're, you know yep. everything there is to know about that job. Right. But you will have certain things, certain abilities that to say, oh, it makes this part of the job easier, makes mm -hmm. this job part of the job uh, a lot more fun to do. Yeah. Yep. So for sure. So in three minutes or less, I have five verses to quickly go through. And then we'll have a quick 10 minute conversation about overworking the unbelievers overworking problem, which should take more than 10 minutes. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have to devote to it. <laughs> so here we go. Um, first of all, this is a reiteration of last week, but motivations, we work because we were created to work Genesis 1 26 through 28. That's where we find the dominion mandate. Um, we were created to work, we find that there. I but we are also called by Christ to work as well. And I'm going to walk through the book of Matthew, like thousand foot view from chapter five, all the way to chapter 28, Matthew five thirteen, which is coincidentally the verse of our show our show's verse says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So from the from day one on this show, that's been our show verse, because that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be salt and light. We're trying to preserve culture. We're trying to live differently, live the way the Bible calls us to live and work to preserve this culture, work to preserve the beauty, the goodness and the truth of God's word in this culture, the culture we're in. Um, we also find in Matthew, oh, and that requires work. By the way, I should say, if that wasn't assumed, that obviously requires a lot of work, uh, especially mm -hmm. today. Unless maybe, you know, I know some people live under rocks nowadays, but um, if you happen to be one of the people that don't live under rocks uh, and you look at your window, you'll recognize, hopefully very clearly, there's a lot of work to be done to do <laughs> what Matthew 5.13 is calling for. Matthew yeah. 6, 33, very next chapter says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So we're seeking God's kingdom first. And by the way, all these things that are being added, it's money, food, clothing, what we would call the, the necessities of necessities. life. Yeah. Yeah. Are apparently not the necessities of life. The necessity is to seek the kingdom of God. 
That's yeah. necessity numero uno. That's and we find that list. also in do not worry of what you shall eat or what mm-hmm. you shall drink. Yeah. Has not God provided for the sparrow right. and the, right. the flowers in the field. So, you know, it's still connected yeah. with that saying, don't worry about that. Do what right. I told you to do <laughs> yeah. and you won't have to worry. There's action. There's work. There is yeah. seeking the kingdom of God requires work. Yeah. It requires you to get off the couch and do stuff. Matthew 11, 28, I'm sorry, 29 through 30, which is our show verse this whole week, um, which was the verse of the week this whole week. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, reinforcing the idea that there's work to be done. There's a burden to carry. There's a yoke to take on. Finally, Matthew 28 is probably the most clear passage out of all of these. But we're (laughs) at the end of the book of Matthew. This is what everybody knows this verse. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we're to make every nation a disciple of Christ and baptizing them, bringing them into the covenant. And we are to teach them, making them into disciples, which means from the bottom up, that nation should be serving Christ, the King. So that takes a lot of work. I mean, we've talked about this so much in previous episodes. It doesn't need to be restated that that is an enormous undertaking. And yet it's very clearly what we've been called to do yeah. nonetheless. So, um, but I'll wrap up this discussion. I know it's four minutes now, so let me wrap this up quickly and then I'll pass it to Jake. So sorry about this. Um, but we need to understand that this, there's a lot of work to be done, but we also know that this work is not in vain and it's not just us doing this work. Um, because Christ has already won the victory. First John five, four through five says for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. We're overcoming the world where the gates of hell are not withstanding our attacks. We're overcoming this world. We're on the offensive, pushing the antithesis, as Uncle Gary says, right? And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So very strong language there. We have victory. We're overcoming this world. We are on the offensive. And guess what? We're going to win because Christ already won. Uh, as Doug Wilson says, we're in the mopping up exercises right now after hmm. the major battle. Christ tells us in John sixteen thirty three that I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You have, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world End quote. So is it going to be easy? Is it going to be simple? Not necessarily, but guess who's already won. Guess who's reigning Guess who's working alongside you? And guess who has all authority in heaven and on earth? That's the one we're serving. That's the one whose work we are doing right now. So that should give us some hope. (laughs) Um, All right. So quick bullet points. The unbeliever's incorrect view of work. And this is why they, in my opinion, why they feel so overworked. And we'll get into all of that in just a second. They aren't driven 
by a Dominion mandate. They All of these things that give us hope, the unbeliever doesn't have. The unbeliever doesn't have a king over them who, well, they do, but they're actively fighting against him. In their mindset, their darkened minds, they believe they don't have a king who has all authority in heaven and on earth and is using them to accomplish his goals on earth. They don't believe that. Foolishly, they don't believe that. Um, work becomes a thing they wish they could avoid. So we talked about technology a couple weeks back on the show. They are developing technology for convenience because they want to avoid that work. And guess what? Their efforts will fail because that's not why we develop technology. Those companies will fail. Those gadgets will fail. Yeah. Something, something really quick. Sorry to interrupt. Mm -hmm. No. Um, but something that article that we've been using to talk about why don't you just take it and use it for your (laughs) you get six minutes go (laughs) okay okay um (laughs) this is this is just talking about what you were saying how they wish they could avoid it something that this article talks about is that we need to request of the government to make businesses have more sick days huh or more vacation leave or or just leave um mental health leave or whatever yeah and so to be honest, that's what COVID, COVID had that as well. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. instead of now, because of COVID, businesses now have to give people sick leave. Mm. Otherwise, they will have problems with the government. Yep. Um, because COVID. So, all right, I guess... Bruce wants me to go into my thing. I'll go into my thing. Um, And this is under the heading. Bruce came up with this heading, by the way. I will give him credit. Uh, I just saw this heading and noticed he didn't have a lot under it. So I was like, why don't I help him? Why don't I put a little bit more in there? Uh, His heading is the unbeliever's overworking problem. Let me first point out why. Why? and, And really... Why do not only unbelievers have an overworking problem? Why do some Christians have a problem with overworking? Mm. And the answer to this is found in 1 Timothy 6.10. And before I say that, let me explain why I say Christians as well. All Christians, we do struggle with sin. So, yes, this could be done by some Christians. And I do think there is a struggle... At least there used to be a struggle of this overworking across, uh, I think, everyone had this problem. And it certainly came came about probably because of the Depression. During the Depression, everybody had to work extra hard to make sure they had enough money to live, to buy the bare necessities that they needed for that Mm. day. Yeah. And so, yes. So off of that, you would have sort of an overworking problem because, oh, we're not in a, we're not in a depression anymore. It's fine. But they were born into this mentality. They have this mentality that they need to work, 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 or they die. Yeah. So there is a little bit of that. But I want to take you to 1 Timothy 6.10, which says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Hmm. And again, 1 Timothy 6.10. 
This is why I say Christians also struggle with this. The verse literally says that some have wandered from the faith because of it. And this is what I'm saying is the root of the overworking problem. It's money. Why? Why are people overworking? Well, because they think money. We need money. All the money. As much money as we can. <laughs> Sorry, I hit my cord. But um, Yeah, well, and they're doing that because they have a hole in their life. Mm-hmm. They they don't know what else to do. Exactly. It's a rat race. They're just going around the hamster wheel of life and they have no purpose. They have no motivation. Yeah. And your motivations greatly determine how you live your life. So that was, they're looking to fill that hole. That was something interesting in my research. The verse that we always go to to uh, to get rid of neutrality, the myth of the neutrality, to talk against it, also is perfect here to talk about hmm. how God was saying you cannot serve two masters. And he gave yeah. an example saying you cannot serve God and serve money. Literally said money because yep. money is so powerful to, in people's minds that it can take the place of God. And we can't do that. Right. We think money is God and money. And, and this is a phrase that I think a ton of people say and a lot of a lot of this idea is thrown about that money speaks, you know, money is power, all, all this kind of stuff. Money talks, my friend. Money yeah, talks. Yeah. But it is very much so the root of all evils, in a mm. sense. All and, kinds of evils, yeah. Um, I did want to go into saying that, think about this from a sinful person's perspective, right? If there is no God, if there is no morality, if there is no understanding for all of this, we're just thrown about by every wind of doctrine. If we're just going by what we feel, what we think, as sinful creatures, as sinful beings, we are very lazy. So then why would someone work? Yeah. Why would a sinful person work? Yep. Again, money. There's a they reason. They work because, yeah. Go I ahead. mean, the, the, there's a reason that the, the book of Proverbs is so full of calling out sluggards and people who are lazy oh, yeah. and people who don't want to work and don't want to do stuff. But then in the New Testament, we also find, well, also in the book of Proverbs, it says this as well, and it's echoed by Paul when it says, um, if you don't work, you don't eat. And this is something that yeah. they told the people that they were preaching. Like they go to the churches and they would live by example and they would pay for everything they ate. They would work and they would teach the people around them. Even if they were like their hosts, Hey, you don't work, you don't eat. That's mm-hmm. what happens. And starvation is a pretty big motivator. Like <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. good motivator. Yeah. So, um, and, and that's a perfect verse against communism. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, to say that everybody deserves. And I mean, the reason I say that is because in very early America, they tried out communism. Mm. Oh, would you look at yeah. that? Communism is not a new idea and it has been tried in America before. Yep. And it failed. Miserably. It didn't work. Right. Yeah. It didn't work because everybody got the same amount of bread. Every uh, Sorry, not bread, but same amount of food. Yep. 
Same so amount of land, some people, same amount of utensils. Yeah. So utensils. some people just, all right, we're going to get the food anyways. Might as well yep. not work. And the person running the the place said, Alrighty, let me quote biblical scripture here and say, if you do not work, then you do not eat. And let us throw out this communism. Yep. Yep. All right. And with that, anything you want to add to wrap up with, Jake? Nope. I think I'm done with my rant. Sweet. <laughs> Dude, that was that was really good. I'm really short. I'm sorry. I didn't leave you much time. So no, I'm that's fine. I didn't have I a lot anyways. A lot okay. of this is very ad-libbed, by the way. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it's good stuff. Some good implications. Um, cool. Well, thank you all so, so much for watching or listening to us this whole week. Um, don't forget, like and share this video. Subscribe. Do the things that let us know you enjoyed our content. Our website is trdshow.net. Again, trdshow.net. Send us an email, trdshow at protimel.com. We're very much looking forward to seeing you on Monday. Have a great weekend, a great Lord's Day. And remember, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>